This is How We See It, a look at issues that impact our faith and community. For the next few minutes, we'll explore topics with people who are making a difference in our world. Hurricane Ian has left a devastating mark on many areas across Florida. Nearly three months later, Floridians across a large area of the state are struggling to rebuild, restore, and reopen their homes and businesses. The coastal storm surge and resulting flooding was a main cause of issues in buildings that are currently undergoing remediation. Mold and biological contamination, not visible to the naked eye, can pose considerable health hazards and a health risk that can only be adequately evaluated by an expert who does assessments in that world. My guest today is Alex LeBeau, who is the chair of the AIHA Indoor Environmental Quality Committee and leading occupational environmental health safety professional based out of Orlando. Alex, thanks for joining me today. And what does AIHA stand for? Sure, John. Thanks for the opportunity. AIHA is the American Industrial Hygiene Association. It's a our professional organization for industrial hygienists. Okay, and what does that mean? Now, most people hear hygienist, it's usually dental, but this is more yeah. of uh, in an office space or in a home, right? Uh, industrial hygiene is generally what we kind of encompass is the occupational and environmental health and safety professional. So we evaluate things that can impact your health, both in the occupational setting and in the community, whether it's a home or a shopping center or what have you. You mentioned occupational safety. I think of OSHA. The association is different because they're not necessarily a government agency where OSHA might be. Is that correct? That is correct. Uh, We are not uh, a government agency, or AIHA is not a government agency. OSHA, there are a lot of industrial hygienists who actually do at OSHA. We do a lot of evaluations based on OSHA information, and there's a lot of crossover on how we evaluate things according to OSHA standards. So not only do you specialize in, is it mostly clean air or just a clean environment in general? A number of different things. Clean air is a big one of them. We evaluate exposures to chemicals, biological agents, and physical stressors and determine how those can impact the health of people in those environments. It can be heat. Uh, it can be noise. It can be radiation. We do a number of different evaluations to protect the person in a certain occupied space. So uh, mostly, uh, you know, lay people here, we specialize in hearing about clean air and the environment from a global perspective, pollutants and all that. What about in your home or workspace? You're a lifelong Floridian. I am, too. We deal with high humidity. And if you place it invented right, you can get mold, mildew and that sort of thing. How do we how do we protect are, ourselves? Sure. There are indoor issues that can be had, especially, like you said, in Florida with the high humidity that we have here. You have to make sure things are operating as they're designed, whether it's the home or in an office. If the system is not operating in a way that it was intended to be, uh, something's wrong with the system. You may not be getting enough clean air through the filter in your system. Maybe your filter in your home and is, the air conditioning is dirty. They need to have it changed. If you are keeping it things at too high humidity, that can cause issues as well. Mold loves humid conditions. So if it's uh, if you're creating humid conditions, if you have a leak or something that you have not addressed, that's just easy pathway for mold to come into the home if you have some kind of water intrusion problems. When you and I were growing up, we had these uh, wall thermostats that had a little arrow on them, and you kind of moved them up and down. But they didn't give you a lot of information other than ballpark of how cool the temperature was in the house. I've got a new thermostat just recently put in, and it also gives me the humidity. 
and I noticed that it was a little more damp in my house, and I just had a new system put in. And I called the AC company, and I said, uh, hey, it feels just damp in the house. The humidity's running about 75%. And they're like, no, something's wrong there, and they sent somebody right out. That's the kind of thing you're talking about because it shouldn't be that humid in your house. It definitely shouldn't. You know, I, I think aiming for something lower than that is optimum when you're addressing humidity in the house. And it's just not comfortable for you to live in, you know. Right. Uh, it's, it's, you feel sticky all the time. You, if you feel something's wrong, something's wrong and it needs to be addressed. Yeah. So we had a hurricane recently come through, uh, Hurricane Ian and Hurricane Nicole. Uh, many people, especially in our southern part of our listening area, suffered catastrophic damage. Many people a good number anyway, are kind of do-it-themselves fixer-uppers, and they're trying to rebuild some of their their house, uh, but they can miss things because they're not professional in how to properly ventilate a home, pollutant control, and that sort of thing. This is where you come in. How do you help? Sure. The hurricane uh, definitely impacted a lot of areas in a way that's not typical that we was normally say from our summer thunderstorms, what we may be used to every year. The storm surge brought a lot of water in from other areas that we normally aren't exposed to. We, we don't perceive stuff in those areas. It could have brought unique items into the home, whether it's bacteria or other types of molds that may impact the home. The water could have been gotten into sewer systems and gotten what's contained in those systems, whether it's septic tanks, we know that the fluoridians have septic tanks, and bacteria could have come out of the septic tank and gotten to the home as well. These are areas, these are things that we can understand to, to look for. You know, it's always about visual, but we can understand where water may have impacted and where things may be hiding in those areas that you may not normally to look for, things to look for that could be still impacting your home if you're not addressing them properly. Let me ask you this. With, with everybody hiring contractors and subcontractors to help do some of those rebuilds, are they educated enough in, in the area that you specialize in to be able to look for those you know clues to, hey, maybe there's something wrong or we're just getting it up to fix it and move on? I'll say that in that kind of question it's going to very much depend on i think a lot of people have knowledge and understanding but i think it's going to be up to the person hiring that contractor that it's going to be important for them to understand what that contractor is capable of you know ask them have they done jobs like this before and do they have references they can call hey you know do you know somebody who let me have some information for people you've worked for before in these kind of settings if it's a great contractor they'll be like here here's my reference list take it and go ask those people if they are unwilling or unsure to provide information or they, I know what I'm doing, then you may want to take a step back and say, whoa, maybe we need some third-party oversight here. Right, right. And that's where you and your organization come in. Do you work with a lot of different contractors? Or, I mean, you're a, an association, so is that an association of um, businesses that work together and can be referred out? Now, our association is a professional organization. We have a, a reference list, a consultants list, where people can go hire consultants that are independent of the association uh, and have them come out to their workplace. It's possible that they, if you're using some insurance for this work, that they may be able to be hired through the insurance company. And in fact, even some insurance companies may even have industrial hygienists on staff that may be able to give you some general information uh, when evaluating these kind of settings. Now, some people might say, you know, that's just another expense that I have to take on. I've never had an issue before. Am, am I being taken for a ride? What do you say to people? There is always an additional expense, and it is something that I think is necessary. If you have a contractor that is saying, oh, these people are just going to add an additional expense 
or they're just going to get in the way and take up more time. These kind of situations, these remediations take time. It's not a fast process. You have to go in. You have to identify visually what the problem is. You have to assess it. You have to remediate it, which is the next step. And then the third step is confirming that the remediation was done correctly. You know, you have to do kind of testing to say everything that was supposed to have been taken out was taken out. And it's not a slow process. But if you have a contractor that's saying, you don't need all that stuff, I can get it done for you much quicker, get you back into your house, get you back into your normal life, there's potential that they are missing problems that are existing that they didn't consider or someone else did not consider. We're talking with Alex LeBeau, who's the chair of the AIHA Indoor Environmental Quality Committee. And Alex, I've heard, and this is just practical use for your home air conditioner, some people say get the smaller filters that aren't so thick because if you get the thick ones, it can plug up your system and cause an issue. Others say, no, you need the more, what is it, HEPA control or something for, for uh, molecules and so forth. Does it depend on the AC unit or heat pump of what you put in that? Or is there something, a standard practice that we should do as, as homeowners? There is. It's very much dependent on the system that you have. Older systems are going to function differently than ones that were made in, like, I'll say the last 10 or 15 years. If you have an older 30 or 40-year-old system that you're still using in your house. And and it's rare these days. (laughs) I was going to say, if you got one last that long, it's doing great. Right. (laughs) Uh, But, you know, that can be for some office spaces. Some offices and industrial settings have those that are lasting much longer because they are just a higher quality system when it was put in. If you have a newer system, uh, you have to put in what is prescribed or, or called for by the system. If it's a, depending on the manufacturer, they'll, they'll say in their paperwork, you can use up to a certain rating filter. Sometimes they will refer to them, and your listeners may have heard this term, a MERV filter. They will say, you know, you can use up to a certain, like a MERV 6 or a MERV 7 rated filter, but it's all, it's going to very much depend on what the manufacturer calls for, because it is possible. I don't want to say it's going to plug up the system, but MERV stands for minimum efficiency reporting value. It's what your system can handle as far as a a sucking in the air. Mm -hmm. And if it's too much, or if it's putting too much resistance, your system may not be functioning as it was supposed to be, and it could cause problems. Let's say I'm a landlord. I've got a, a building that I'm leasing out, and it's been you know 20 years since I took control of it. The building may be a little older. What's the benefit of performing a, a facility health risk assessment? A facility health risk assessment helps to identify issues that may be existing or something that you we can identify that may be coming up for problems. And typically for a facility health risk assessment, you would look at those for a larger facility, like an office space, a store, a factory. You would look at those and say, okay, what do we see right now that are problems? Do we see any water impact? Do we see any equipment that looks old or is not maintained appropriately? And what can we do to make sure that that equipment lasts as long as it should, so you're not spending extra money that you don't have to, that we're catching problems that are creeping up that you may not be aware of. That could be a problem with deferred maintenance on some items. And in the long run, there's going to be a return uh, on getting stuff done and catching it beforehand instead of having us come in 
on the end of it and haven't you fix everything once everything has been blown way out of proportion than it should have been. Will an insurance company help pay for some of that? I'd say I'm not an insurance adjuster. Right. I don't work for insurance companies. It's all, I'd say it's all going to be dependent on uh, the insurance company and your policy. You know, it doesn't hurt. If it's a proactive thing, it's, it's entirely possible that insurance company may have that. It doesn't hurt to call your adjuster. Your agent say, is this something that's covered under my policy or is this something I can get help on? Yeah, because it may save that insurance company a big payout in the long run. So, um, yeah, it's something to certainly look at. Before we wrap up here, in hurricane recovery, how do we know that we're getting the right people and not getting ripped off when it comes to, um, you know, the cleanup and um, safe environment? In the state of Florida, there is a professional licensure for being for dealing in the mold area of mold. There's the mold assessors and then there's mold remediators. First of all, you want to make sure that they have their licenses through the state of Florida professional business and regulation section. They, if they don't have that, that'd be a red flag. They haven't gone. If they don't, if they can't provide you those details, that's something important to understand, and it may worth the worth looking somewhere else. If they have that, again, it goes back to okay. Give me some information. Give me some references of what you've done before. Let me see some work that you've done before. And again, it's hard because everyone wants to get back into their house or their setting. They want it done quickly. But it's important to remember that these things take time. Another thing you want to understand is if you're hiring someone, typically it has to be assessed first. You have to have an assessor come in and identify a mold assessor, what the impacts are. The assessor will say what needs to be remediated. And the remediation companies should be separate from that assessor. They can have a hi, how you doing kind of relationship. But if there's a business relationship between the assessor and the remediator, you're not going to want to hire that company because you don't want the other person checking their own homework. You want it to be two separate entities. And then later on, after that remediation company finishes, you want the assessor to come back in and say, okay, they did everything that they were supposed to do. Here's a report. Here's your clean bill of health. Again, it takes time, but if the people are not willing to do that, you may want to take a step back and find someone who is. We're coming off the COVID pandemic. There was a big push during the pandemic about clean air, clean environment. Did y'all get in, your organization, your association, uh, get involved in that at all? We, we definitely did. As far as the Indoor Environmental Quality Committee, which I'm a member of, uh, we issued a number of different guidance documents on COVID for the I'll say, non-healthcare workplaces, the general workplaces. We also have a number of different documents through the American Industrial Hygiene Association called Back to Work Safely documents. There are a number of documents there for a number of different settings, preschools, office buildings, et cetera, that give an idea of these are things you should be doing to address COVID in your scenario, and this is what you can do to control the exposures to get back to your workplace or normal situation safely. So if someone wants to find out more, maybe you're an office manager, plant manager at a facility, uh, an owner of the business, and uh, some of these uh, topics we've talked on may have sparked some uh, questions for you, or you want to find out more, how do they get a hold of you? The organization, American Industrial Hygiene Association, they can type in AIHA.org and go to our website, and there's a number of different uh, bits and pieces there, who we are, what we do, what our members are all about. The profession, public resources, there are a number of different public resources there for a, a variety of settings here. If you go there, it says find help here. And there are a lot of guidance documents there that you can look through, find your specific situation, 
and a, and download some guidance to help you out in your scenario. Because that's what we're all about is through AIHA and volunteering for that organization, which I do, is helping people out to make their scenario uh, is, is, is clean and conducive to a healthy environment as we can. Alex LeBeau, the chair of the AIHA Indoor Environment Quality Committee, has been our guest today. And that's how we see it. <laughs>